The Jets did not have a great offseason a year ago, but there are lessons they can learn to make this year better. We'll talk about them today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, January 29th, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give the episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the podcast. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use code all lowercase NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the mistakes the Jets made last offseason. And even in previous off-seasons under Joe Douglas, and talk about what they can learn as they try and build their team for 2024. You know, when you are a general manager in this league, one of the things you should always be looking at is some of the mistakes you've made in the past. And sometimes you learn by not sometimes you learn by the things you do right, but you all, sometimes you learn by the things you do wrong. And I think that there are some mistakes Joe Douglas has made through the years that have hurt the Jets. And if he's willing to learn from them. He can build a better team going forward. Now, I'm going to start by talking about the wide receiver position because the Jets have made one excellent decision at wide receiver in Douglas's tenure, and almost nothing else has worked out. And you could probably guess the excellent move, which was two years ago, drafting Garrett Wilson 10th overall. Um, number one type receivers in this league come in all shapes and sizes. You know, some of them are pure speed guys. Uh, some of them are bigger guys who win contested catches guy like Garrett Wilson, he's kind of an unconventional route runner, but he knows how to create separation. He's so effortless creating separation because his short area quickness is just so deceptive. It's, it's short, it, his work in short areas is so deceptive, and he's really quick uh, in, in a short space. He figures out how to create separation. The issues with the Jets receivers have not been so much stylistic as they've been quality. And I think if you look, there's one common theme, and this actually goes back before 2023, but it was very prominent in 2023. The Jets under Joe Douglas have consistently gotten guys who have been underperformers and talk themselves into the idea that they can unlock un, they can unlock hidden potential in these guys. It was true when they uh, when they signed Nicole Hardman from Kansas City. Hardman's going back to the Super Bowl because the Jets, of course, traded him pretty early in the season when it was clear he did not have a, a role in this offense. I think to an extent, you could argue that's true of Alan Lazard. Now, there was one mitigating factor in the Jets signing Lazard. Of course, it was Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, you know, reportedly was pretty vocal that he wanted Lazard to, to come to this team. So maybe, maybe that played a little bit of a role in that. But you, know, you can think about some of the past off seasons with the Jets. Uh, Corey Davis, who decent receiver. I think a guy who may be a little underrated by Jets fans in general, but ultimately was a guy who was a bit of a disappointment in Tennessee. You know, he was a top five pick for the Titans back in 2017. He was coming off his best season when the Jets signed him in 2021. And it obviously did not work out here. And I think, again, the Jets maybe thought they could unlock something that was there in Corey Davis. Maybe the ultimate example, though, would be Joe Douglas's first offseason with the team. You may remember the Jets let Robbie Anderson go to Carolina, a move that 
you know, it's probably not as big of a deal as people make it out to be. Anderson had like a great first month in Carolina and then otherwise was pretty ordinary. But to replace Anderson, Douglas went out and signed Brashad Perryman from Tampa Bay. And Perryman was a guy who had ties to Douglas's former team, the Ravens. He actually was a former Ravens first round pick, a guy who was very physically imposing, a big guy, a very fast guy, a guy who was coming off a really, really hot month. His final season, the year before the Jets signed him in Tampa Bay, he was producing at a, at quite a clip. The problem is that that was about the only month of his career Perryman was productive. And I think Douglas maybe fell in love with uh, Perryman because of his physical tools. And I think maybe Douglas misinterpreted what Perryman did that, that final month in Tampa Bay. He thought he was maybe an ascending player. But I think the four guys I mentioned all have something in common. These are not players who were overly productive in their situations. Some of them were not in great situations. You know, I think you could you could argue Perryman, he was the Tampa Bay pre-Tom Brady was not exactly the most uh, passing friendly offense. It was not not the most productive passing offense in the league. I think you could even argue Corey Davis coming from a run oriented team in, in Tennessee, uh, playing much of his early years with Marcus Mariota, who was a draft disappointment. You know, even though Ryan Tannehill, things kind of clicked for him later on. Ryan Tannehill was never an elite quarterback. But there were also guys who came from very good situations. Lazard obviously played his career with Aaron Rodgers prior to coming to with the Jets. And then Hardman was in like the dream scenario, Kansas City, with uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and still really struggled to do a whole lot. And it's one of the challenges of free agency. Sometimes you have to find a guy who's a little under the radar, a guy who maybe was misused, a guy who was maybe underutilized, or a guy who maybe just fits your system better than he fits his, his previous team. You know, there's it's more art than science in free agency. Sometimes you, you find a guy who's underutilized and you're able to unlock him. You're able to get more out of him. But the Jets have shown that they're not very good at figuring out who these guys are at the wide receiver position. And I think that's an important part of building your team. You have to figure out where you can uncover gems, where you can uncover under the radar guys. For example, Joe Douglas has been very adept at doing that at the cornerback position. Now, everybody knew Sauce Gardner was a great corner uh, prospect when he came out of Cincinnati. But Douglas has found an elite slot corner on day three of the draft in Michael Carter II. He's found pretty decent depth guys in Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall on day three of the draft. And even DJ Reed was not so obvious of a signing at the time the Jets made him. DJ Reed was kind of one of those signings I was just talking about where you know, he was decent. It felt like maybe he was putting the pieces together in Seattle. But you did not know for sure a couple of years ago when the Jets brought him in that he was going to be a top-end corner. And I think sometimes you're better at scouting one position than another. And I think it's clear Douglas is pretty good, or at least whoever Douglas delegates to is pretty good at scouting the corner position. Douglas is not very good at wide receiver. And I think that for the positions where you're, you're weak, you need to adapt. You need to change your strategy. And you need to go for proven guys. And not everybody's strong at every position. You know, maybe the Jets can uncover under the radar gems at, at the corner position. Maybe they can do it at other spots. But at wide receiver, this is a team that's proven itself to not be very adept. So that means you go for the proven guys. You go for the guys with the track records. You know, if T. Higgins hits the market, I don't think he will because the Bengals have plenty of cap space and Higgins is a very important player for them. But, you know, if Michael Pittman hits the market again, I don't think the Colts will let that happen. But the point is you got to go with proven production. A couple of years ago, the Jets passed on trading for Amari Cooper. It was not a move that I thought made a lot of sense at the time. Cooper's a consistent player. He's constantly productive. He's throwing up 1,000-yard seasons left and right. Dallas gave him away for a day three pick. 
and the Jets passed on it. And it felt like the Jets maybe believed that they knew better than they really did. Jets believed that they could figure out the wide receiver position better than they were able to. And wide receiver position has been a problem since. Now, with the Jets, when you're dealing with a team that's been really systematically broken to the extent they have, you never look back on one player. It's never about one decision. It's about a series of decisions. And if you look through the years, the Jets have consistently missed at the wide receiver position. And again, I think a lot of it's Douglas thinks he can scout guys. You know, all the guys they signed have kind of a common thread. They're either big or they're fast or they're both. You know, Perryman was both. Davis is big. Lazard's big. Hardman's fast. But these are only skills that help you at the receiver position. There are more nuanced aspects of the position. The Jets have failed at scouting these. So I think at the wide receiver position, you know, stop playing the lottery. Go with the proven thing. Go with guys who have shown that they're productive because you're not very good at find at figuring out who the next great receiver is going to be. Now, here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention internally because it's important to find players on other teams who fit what you're going to do, but it's also important to accurately evaluate the guys who are already on your roster. And we're going to go into that in more detail, continuing this Monday edition of Locked On Jets. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. PrizePix is so much fun, you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. You select two or more players, pick more or less than on their projected stats, and place your entry. And PrizePix now offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. And PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, for a first deposit match of up to $100 using PrizePix. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. Today we're talking about lessons the Jets can learn from 2023 offseason and even a couple offseasons before that under Joe Douglas. Because an important part of running a team successfully is evaluating what you've done in the past and what's worked and what hasn't. Another important part of running a team successfully is figuring out what you have and understanding its value. I don't think that's something the Jets did very well last year in a couple of ways. And I would argue that it almost seems from the outside like there was a bit of a disconnect between the coaching staff and the front office on some players. Um, you know, One of them is at the tight end position, C.J. Uzama. The Jets added void years to They restructured Uzama's deal. They added void years to his contract. And that's a complex way of saying they lowered his 2023 cap hit at the expense of at the expense of adding more money to his future cap hits. And if they had cut Uzama last offseason, they would have been able to move on. Their, their cap sheet would have been cleaner. And you have to wonder why they didn't just move on. Because Uzama is not a premium player for this team. You know, he was the second tight end behind Tyler Conklin. And he has a couple of good games here or there as a as a blocker. But blocking at the tight end position, I don't know that it's necessarily that valuable. Now, why do I say that? Well, there were games late in the season where the Jets were rolling out a sixth offensive lineman in lieu of a tight end. 
So if you have a guy who's really just a blocker at the tight end position, you know, is he really worth paying a premium for? The other aspect of this is it feels like the Jets do like Jeremy Ruckert, and you know, we can have a debate on how promising Ruckert has looked the last couple of years, but certainly felt like the Jets were comfortable giving Ruckert more of a role this year as the number two tight end. And again, your number two tight ends, the Jets, you know, use double tight ends fairly frequently, but it's not that key of a player on your team. So I look at this and I wonder, like, why did the coaching staff and front office seem to value C.J. Uzama so differently? It's a kind of a puzzling one, but I think that's nothing compared with what the Jets did at the defensive end position. And this has been a multi-year failure. And, you know, I'm going to talk about Bryce Huff here. I talk about Bryce Huff a lot because this is one of those situations that I feel like is a microcosm of bigger issues with the way the Jets are run. Two years ago, the Jets brought in this guy from Houston, Jacob Martin, to, to essentially usurp uh, Huff's role. He was going to take over as the designated pass rusher on passing downs. Well, Huff went and outplayed Martin. So it got to the point where the Jets actually traded Martin to Denver for a day three pick swap. So the Jets will actually, you know, the Jets will actually have an extra fourth round pick this year and lose a fifth round pick because of that trade. So the Jets looked at this situation. They said, you know, you know what? We underestimated Huff last year. Let's underestimate him again. Because that's essentially what the Jets did last offseason. Two years ago, they brought in Jacob Martin. Last offseason, the Jets decided to bring back Carl Lawson. And they, they did a very interesting thing with Lawson's contract. Lawson did take a pay cut, but they also added void years to his contract. So for all intents and purposes, what the Jets did was they lowered Lawson's 2023 cap hit again, like Uzama, and they added more money to the future. Lawson's actually going to be off the team next year, but he's going to cost over $6 million against the salary cap. Had the Jets just cut Lawson, he would have saved the team over $10 million in cap space. So you went from creating $10 million of cap space to Lawson costing you $6 million when he's not on the team. And it felt like Lawson was the guy they viewed as like, this is our number one pass rushing defensive end. But then Huff took over the role. So what does that tell me? It tells me that they did not scout Huff correctly, and it's two straight years. And what bothers me about this is that, you know, they didn't go back after 2022 and say, wow, we really didn't understand what we had in Huff. They essentially did the exact same thing. They underestimated what Huff could do. And again, I feel like maybe there's a little disconnect between the coaching staff and the front office here, because if they knew Lawson wasn't going to have as big of a role, would they have brought him back this year? Lawson essentially was brought back and he was phased out of the, out of the lineup. So that's also a failure of the coaching staff to like un, to project how their guys were going to perform. Now, I know Lawson actually was dealing with an injury. You heard a little bit about it in training camp in the preseason that you know he maybe was dealing with a back, so perhaps that factored into it. But again, this was another example of the Jets not appreciating what they had. And this is a critical thing. Internal evaluations can make or break your football team. If you If you misvalue a player, sometimes you let a really good player go. And that might be what happens with Bryce Huff, because even now, even after 10 sack season, I'm not sure the Jets really value Bryce Huff properly. And it's, it's going to be very frustrating for me because I think Huff's probably on his way out and it just should not be that way. It, it really should not. And I think that this was this was just a, mis, a situation that was completely mishandled by the Jets. I think if the Jets knew what they knew, knew now, uh, knew then what they know now, they probably would have tried to extend Huff a year ago. And it was a pretty, I, I felt like it was a pretty obvious move a year ago because this was a guy who was a homegrown talent. 
who had exceeded all expectations and who likely was going to leave money on the table because you have to remember at this point last year, Bryce Huff had made no money in the league. He was still a year away from hitting free agency. And as we know in the NFL, you're only one hit away. You're you're one play away from potentially suffering a career-altering injury, which will take away your earning power. So the Jets had like all the leverage a year ago if they wanted to deal with Bryce Huff, but they I don't think they really understood what they had. So you see this manifest itself in many different ways. You see it manifest itself when there's disconnect between who the coaches value and who the front office values, but you also see it when teams don't evaluate their own talents properly. You know, a good, another example of this would be the Jets thinking Dwayne Brown still had another season left. You know, they went into the season with Brown as their left tackle, and not only that, they really did not have a viable backup plan. And we saw that because Brown went down pretty early. But to go to the season with a 38-year-old left tackle who had an injury plague season a year ago and who was coming off a pretty serious injury and rehabbing the injury most of the offseason, again, I don't think the Jets really evaluated what they had correctly. But there was another issue there. Again, Dwayne Brown was 38, and the Jets built a roster that was pretty old. As we continue on this Monday edition of Lockdown Jets, we're going to turn our attention to the age of the roster. I think this offseason, the Jets need to get younger. I think they need to focus on guys who are in their prime. I think they need to focus on guys who have a couple of years left to offer the team. And we'll go into more detail on that as we continue this Monday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. So it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today I want to tell you how I really feel about something. And you may be thinking the same thing, and I've been talking about it. Jets front office, they've made a lot of mistakes over the last year. They've made a lot of mistakes over the last four or five years. They've made a lot of mistakes over the last 13 years if we want to go back to previous general managers. Very frustrating. You hope they turn it around. You hope they learn their lessons. And you should know that sports is sports. I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated by the Jets, but it's not real life. You have to deal with real issues day to day. And you should know that therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Monday. We're talking about lessons the Jets can learn from last offseason. Jets, I think, made a lot of missteps along the way. Now, part of that was they did not handle the Rodgers trade very well. They let that thing drag on for way too long. They completely mistimed everything. And I think the, the length with which it took to, first of all, trade for Rodgers, but second of all, work out a restructured contract. It left the Jets short on resources. It also left a lot of uncertainty that free agents picked up on. I mean, we, we know of at least one key free agent who said that the uncertainty around the Rodgers trade impacted him when he had to decide whether he was going to go to the Jets or another team. But there were issues that went beyond that. And one of them is, I just think the Jets brought in too many old players last year for key roles. And one of the, you know, one of the moves was, it wasn't the guy they brought in. It was a guy they kept, Dwayne Brown. But, I mean, you can go up and down the roster. Guys in their 30s they brought in whether you want to talk about Billy Turner, who was supposed to be a key backup offensive lineman, whether you want to talk about Randall Cobb. Um, the Jets began the 2023 season with one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. A couple sites tabulate uh, roster age. I, I don't know. There, there was some discrepancy. Uh, I saw one site that said the Jets began the season with the oldest 53-man roster. Another said they were second behind the Saints. But the point is that the Jets were a very old football team. Now, of course, good teams can have good good players who are in their 30s. Good teams can have, there are still some players who are productive as they age. But generally speaking, 
you don't want to have the oldest roster in the NFL because older players are more likely to decline. They're more likely to get injured. And beyond that, if we're just talking about finding the balance, it's always important to balance the short run and the long run. That's what the great franchises do in this league. The great franchises tend to tend to not just be focused on the here and now. And most of them tend to not be focused exclusively on the future. You're trying to win now, but you're also trying to maintain flexibility. You're trying to leave yourself with the resources that you can sustain excellence because sustaining excellence in this league is very difficult. And you have to replace players quickly in this league if you want to stay at the top. And the Jets just focused on too many older players a year ago. And I think that that was to their detriment. And we saw how it hurt the team on the offensive line. Again, Dwayne Brown, that they depended on this guy to be their starting left tackle. That was not a good idea. And it was not like, it's not like this is a major second guess. It's not like it was unforeseeable that Brown would, first of all, struggle while he was on the field, but second of all, suffer an injury. Again, that's what happens when you deal with older players. Um, you know, if you want to talk about Randall Cobb, I mean, I can't get over how many people defended that signing when it happened. That was never a good signing. Cobb had shown that he was completely finished in the league. And we know the reason they brought him in was was because Rodgers wanted him again. He Like Lazard, this was another guy Rodgers was pretty vocal about wanting on the team. But, you know, Rodgers, Rodgers was already here at that point. And I don't understand why they couldn't have focused on, on a younger guy, why they couldn't have found somebody who, you know, could play the role they wanted for Cobb, but give the Jets longer-term productive play. And you you want to get guys who are like in their mid-20s if you're importing them from other teams because they're usually at the peak of their powers. You know, in the NFL, it depends on positions, but you want guys for the most part in like that 25, 26 age range because they're going to give you the best play. And they're also less risky. Again, if you're dealing with a guy in their 30s, there's a decent shot that they're not going to have much left in the tank. There's a decent shot that you know, even if they were productive last year, Sometimes it goes very quickly. Sometimes guys fall off a quick uh, fall off a uh, cliff dramatically. But beyond that, you know, the Jets are in like a bit of a dangerous spot right now when we talk about their roster construction. Because I assume like we don't want the Jets to be at the bottom of the league in 2025 and 2026. And right now they're short on draft picks this year because the second round picks going to Green Bay for Rodgers. They were they were short on draft picks last year because of the Rodgers trade. So. You're down. You're you're already down with the type of young talent you can infuse into the roster because back to back years you're short a day two pick, and that stuff starts to really hit when you get to like year three, year four after the draft. So you know, may not have you may not have noticed it this past year, but you'll notice it like 2025, 2026. Jets also have a pretty tight cap situation because of all the moves they made a year ago. I mentioned some of them. Some of them were pretty ill advised, but the Jets essentially have limited their cap flexibility in the future. Again, we can debate the merits of this. I think in many cases it was not the right move, but it's what they've done. And we have to acknowledge that you know, at some point they're going to have to have a year where they reset their cap. It's not. It's probably not going to be this year. Should it be? Maybe. But you know, getting into 2025, 2026, at least one of those years, the Jets are going to have a very tight cap. So you don't want to be old when you're short on draft picks and short on cap because Older teams, in addition to you know all the other things I mentioned, in addition to the dangers of decline, in addition to the dangers of injury, if your team's older, if you're if you're depending on a lot of old players, that means you have to turn over more of your roster. That means you have to replace more players than your tip than a typical team, and that's tough to do when you're short on draft picks and you're short on cap space. So you want to get players in here that will elevate your team, but you also want players who are going to be around for a couple of years. You want guys who you know have three, four good years left in them because that's one, one less spot you worry about 
2025 and 2026. And beyond that, in the NFL, difference makers are what drive a team. And you can Jets will probably have to like work around their cap situation and their draft pick situation in the years ahead. And one way you work around that is you acknowledge, you know, we, we may have to have holes, but we, we at least have enough difference makers that they can help us work around these holes. They, they can help carry the team if, we're, if we have to be weak in a few spots. So, again, focus on players in their prime. That's that's the that's one of the keys for this offseason for the Jets. Last year, I thought they brought in too many guys who were on the downside of their career, and it had negative consequences for this team. Well, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show or listening on the podcast, first, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out. It helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.